Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It's a Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast where we take questions from our Football Insider subscribers about uh, Baker Mayfield, Jacoby Brissett, uh, and then we look ahead to Sunday's game a little bit as well and what to expect. So that's coming up on this edition of the podcast. I mentioned Football Insider. If you're not a subscriber, get on board. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get a newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day. Become one of our text subscribers and get access to exclusive stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns. And at the end of the podcast, I'm going to tell you about a live podcast we're doing Wednesday night at the Music Box Supper Club. Uh, That's at the end of the podcast uh, info on that. And also in the description of this podcast, if you want to check that out. All right, here we go. Our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Away we go on our actually Wednesday edition of the Hey Mary Kay podcast, a day later than normal with the holiday. Uh, so we're doing this on Wednesday instead of Tuesday, but it doesn't mean that our Football Insider subscribers didn't come through with a bunch of good questions for us, Mary Kay. And we're going to start with this one from Ken in Durham, North Carolina. So we are taking everything off the field, off the table here. This is strictly on the field. And we are taking the future out of the equation here. This is strictly for 2022. And Ken asks, would you rather have Baker Mayfield for all 17 games this season or the 11-6 split between Jacoby Brissett and Deshaun Watson? And he says, again, strictly speaking football and strictly speaking winning games this season. You know what, Dan? I don't know how our texters do this every single week. but they come up with the best questions. And this is a really great question. It provides a lot of food for thought and it's it's really making me rack my brains here to figure out what I would want in this type of a situation. And you really do have to think about it uh, and, and come up with some pros and cons. But I'm gonna go with the first thing that comes to my mind. And that is, I would still take Jacoby Brissett for 11 and Deshaun Watson for six over Baker Mayfield for 17. And uh, the reason why I would do this is I think it's in part because I have in my mind the Baker Mayfield from 2021. And what we don't know yet about Baker Mayfield is, is he different? Is he better now that he has had his torn left labrum repaired? Is he going to be more like the Baker Mayfield of 2020 that was exciting and got the Browns to the playoffs and, you know, still had confidence and those kinds of things? 
Or is he going to be the player that we saw last year that by the end of the season, when he was in Pittsburgh and he was getting sacked nine times and getting five passes batted down, you almost had to wonder if his career was over, not just his career with the Browns, but in general, like if he was just finished. And um, so, you know, I just still have that Baker in my mind. And I think I'm going to need him to show me that he's not that guy and to prove to me that he still is the player with all the moxie and the accuracy and all of those things that he played with in 2020 before I can really trust him again. Uh, so I'm going to go with Jacoby Brissett and Deshaun Watson. And even though it's not the ideal situation, I still think that would give them a better chance to make the playoffs. I would love to disagree with you just for the sake of disagreeing. But the one thing that Ken didn't say, and you can't take this out of the equation, is Kevin Stefanski is still the head coach. And there was just a too much of a disconnect there last year. We've talked about it so many times in this podcast. Kevin did not want to give Baker the freedom that Baker wanted. You know, Kevin wanted to run his system. You know, there was probably a trust issue there. He didn't want to open it up. Baker wanted it to be more open. You, people can go back and find the now infamous clickbait story. The, the story is not infamous, but the tweet about it was. And it's all laid out in there uh, that you wrote, Mary Kay. And that would still exist. And the other part of this is even though I've, I've said on a couple pods and, and we'll probably talk about it during the live show, I don't know what to expect out of Deshaun Watson when he comes back in week 13, but I still think I'd rather bet on his upside for six games and bet on what he could be for six games. Even if it's not the Deshaun Watson, he could be next year. And I'd be more willing to bet on his talent and upside than on kind of the ceiling. I think we've seen with Baker. Yeah. And, you know, again, I don't know how much of it had to do with injuries or whatnot, but it just seemed like he was just turning the ball over too much at inopportune times. It seemed like defenses had caught up with Baker Mayfield to the point where they were taking away the things that he did. Well, they finally figured out, hem him into the pocket, get your hands up, bat those passes down. Mm -hmm. Don't let them get out on the bootlegs and the keepers and the rollouts. Uh, and then another thing that I keep harping on that I just have seen him do so many times is, you know, he just guns it in the red zone. He never really was able to take any English off the ball and put that touch on it so that you could catch that touchdown pass for him as easily as it should have been. So I do think that um, all of those things wrapped up together, you know, just don't lend itself to a playoff type of season or success once you get into the playoffs. Because, you know, remember that once you finish off the 17 games, then you have playoffs after that and again that wasn't part of the question but who would you want once you get into the playoffs um so yeah i think um i think that you know i feel pretty comfortable going with it this way i think in part now we haven't seen jacoby Brissett play yet this season in a real football game we only saw him play i think four series in uh three series or four series in a preseason game and those were not good series now uh, they had uh, an agenda there where they were trying to get the ball to Anthony Schwartz. That didn't work out very well. Um, so we really don't know exactly what to expect from Jacoby Brissett. But as long as he manages the game and doesn't turn the ball over and relies on his playmakers and also the strength of his defense, 
then I think he gives you, at least in those first 11 games, at least what you were going to get from Baker Mayfield. And and Jacoby, too, didn't have Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Joel Batonio, Jack Conklin, Wyatt Teller left that game early, um, Amari Cooper. Did Donovan Peoples-Jones play in that game? I don't remember. If he did, he didn't play much. Um, right. And like you said, they were really kind of forcing the ball to Anthony Schwartz a good amount. I mean, I just named like seven guys who are – like legit guys on this team that will help Jacoby Brissett be a better quarterback. So yeah, I think the answer is still you'd rather have Jacoby and Deshaun. Now the answer might be different if it was just Jacoby. I, I think I can make the case that that Baker Mayfield would be a better option um, for a full season than Jacoby for a full season. I, again, you'd have to kind of look past some of the Kevin Baker stuff, but if we're t- talking Jacoby just get you through 11 and then hey let's see what Deshaun has let's see how fast he kind of gets up to speed and starts to look like Deshaun Watson again I just think that's I think that's the bet to make yeah the other part of that is you're talking about the final six games of the season which are the you know the money games I mean that's when it's all on the line that's where it's almost winner take all every single week and therefore you would want a Deshaun Watson in those final six games as opposed to a Baker Mayfield Okay, Uh, there were, of course, a lot of questions about the quarterback position on both teams coming into Sunday's game. And by the way, I've got to say it was it was good to actually get some Hey Mary Kay questions about football games. We have finally reached that stage here uh, week one on Sunday, of course, in Carolina. Dave Barnes, Richmond, Virginia. Hey, Mary Kay, how short of a leash do you think the Browns will have with Jacoby Brissett? What would it take for them to make a move to Joshua Dobbs? You know, that's another great question. And I've been thinking about that because, again, nobody really knows what Jacoby Brissett is going to look like in this offense when the fur is flying, when the lights are on, and it's go time. I mean, we just don't know. The Browns don't even know. Sometimes it takes three or four games before you understand how the pieces and the parts all fit together with guys on offense. So um, so we just don't know what to expect. Um but I would have to say that the leash is not going to be short. I think that they know that they need to give him uh, the time to, to maybe work through some issues here and there. Um, but it's a great question because they don't have a lot of time on their side. They need to stay in the hunt in these 11 games and hand over a team that can be playoff bound to Deshaun Watson. I mean, you just don't want it to all be in ruins by the time Deshaun comes off of his 11-game suspension. Um, What I think they should do, and I've said this many times before, is give a package of plays to Joshua Dobbs and have him ready to provide a little bit of a change-up, a little bit of, uh, you know, some mobility, a different look here and there, give the defense something to prepare for. Uh, But for the most part, I think that Jacoby, you know, isn't going to get yanked out of there in you know, the second quarter of the second game. I mean, they signed Jacoby Brissett knowing he'd have to play. That was part of the deal. Now, they didn't know how long, and maybe at the time they thought it was going to be like four games or six games. Maybe they didn't think it would be 11. But they did sign him with the idea that he can come in and play and basically be their sort of pseudo starting quarterback for a little while. So I don't know. I mean, Kevin has not shown a penchant for having a quick trigger when it comes to his quarterbacks. You know, obviously Baker played well uh, in the second half of 2020, but he did struggle early 
in, in that season. And he was starting to throw interceptions. And we all kind of remember that Bengals game where we were wondering if he was going to have to make a move and then Baker kind of came to life. But, uh, you know, last year, whoever it was, whether it was Baker being stubborn or Kevin being stubborn, he, Kevin did not want to make that move to Case Keenum. By the way, there was a Case Keenum question that's going to come up next. Um, so Kevin has been pretty patient with his quarterbacks in, in his short time as head coach. He really has been. I thought he was at times too patient with Baker Mayfield last year. There were a number of games. I can't remember the specific ones off the top of my head right at the moment, but there were several games where afterwards we were asking, did you think about going to Case Keenum? Did you think about, and the answer was always no. Well, the answer sometimes should have been yes. I mean, why not? Case Keenum knows this offense as well as anyone. Uh, He's an effective quarterback. When he did go out and start his two games, he won them both. Um, So I would have done it. I would have done it sooner. But I've always been of the mind that I think sometimes uh, starting quarterbacks are treated with kid gloves. Like everybody's afraid to upset them. Everybody's afraid to rattle them. Everybody's afraid to throw them off their game or their rhythm or whatever. Well, you know what? This is the NFL. You have to be incredibly tough-minded to play quarterback in the NFL, and you should be able to handle, hey, I'm not playing well. I'm going to go sit down on the bench for the rest of this game, and then I'm going to come out and kick some tail next week. I agree with you on that point. You're you're the quarterback. You're getting paid the most money for the most part. Obviously, you know there's some situations where that's not true, but if you're the guy, you're getting paid more than everybody else. You've got more earning potential than anybody else in that locker room. Like... If you get benched, just suck it up and come back next week. You know, like every other player on that roster is held to that same standard. So I, I, I agree with you. Like if, if you're playing poorly, then maybe you have to be sat down and then you have to come back next week. And, you know, just like any other player on the roster. Yeah. I don't know if I will ever quite understand the approach with Baker Mayfield last year. I mean, it was bizarre. I mean, not only did you have games where he should have clearly come out in those games, but there were plenty of times where you had to ask yourself, you know, this guy's hurt. Well, you know, why are we sticking with him when he is hurt? So um, it, it was just a weird year all the way around. The dynamic between Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski, as we came to see later on, uh, you know, was just not good. And, um, you know, I don't know. It, the communication apparently wasn't good, at least from Baker's perspective. So, um I mean, I'm glad for the Browns' sake now that they at least have quarterbacks that, you know, that they can communicate with, they know what they're dealing with. I mean, Jacoby is, you know, just about as normal as a human being as you're ever going to run into. And I think it's probably refreshing to deal with somebody like that. Okay, I mentioned there was a Case Keenum question on the way, and here it is from Paxton Styles in Cheverly, Maryland. Hey, Mary Kay, do you think Jacoby Brissett is a better fit than Case Keenum in this current offense? Clearly, the Browns felt an injured Baker, as we just discussed, was better than a healthy Case Keenum. But Paxson wanted to get your honest opinion on who would be more comfortable with starting these 11 games. Well, I'll tell you what. I honestly think that the acquisition of Jacoby Brissett had more to do with, not more to do with, but had something to do with the off the field intangibles. I think they were looking for a pairing between the two quarterbacks. I think they wanted Deshaun Watson and Jacoby Brissett 
uh, to have a relationship, the kind of relationship that they do have now, that they could turn this thing over one to the other and that it was going to go really smoothly and that there would be some some crossover in skill set, not not a ton, but enough. Uh, but I just think that it was um, it was just more, uh, you know, a fit between the two. It, just in terms of, of personality, experience, demeanor, and football stuff. So I, I just think there were there were a lot of layers to this. Yeah, I think you're right. And that was sort of what I was thinking, um, that, you know, this move didn't happen in a vacuum. You, right. you brought in the two together. And Jacoby's not Deshaun. He's not as athletic. And he, he doesn't, he's not going to be as dynamic in the run game. But he's more similar to Deshaun Watson. And I think you have to account for that because you're going to play 11 games with Jacoby Brissett and then put Deshaun Watson in. And that's going to be an adjustment for everybody. But if you have at least some similarity, um, I guess that'll help. You know, again, not as athletic, isn't going to be as, as devastating in the run game. I don't know how many designed runs I'll even have for Jacoby. Not going to throw the ball down the field, but it is going to feel a little more like Deshaun Watson than would have if Case Keenum's kind of running that Shanahan play action rollout offense that they were running with Baker and Case Keenum. Yeah, I think so. I think just much more went into this than, hey, you know, who's got that kind of arm talent? Who's got that kind of mobility? I think it was just more than that. Uh, and I'm actually working on a Jacoby story uh, today as we're taping this about some of these very issues. And so therefore it's kind of even been like more reinforced in my mind, how this whole thing came together. Uh, the, here's a game plan question, Walter Parker in Kent, Ohio. You sort of touched on this. Hey, Mary Kay, don't you think that containing Baker Mayfield inside the pocket will help greatly for the defense, not only sacks, but causing many pressures and pushes. And I just, I know in my mind that I know Miles Garrett sort of downplayed this when he was asked about it, but I can't get visions of that Pittsburgh game out of my head. And I've got to imagine that Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney and those defensive tackles have watched that game. And even though Pittsburgh's a 3-4, it's get your hands up, keep them in the pocket, and bat a bunch of footballs down. Yes, absolutely. There's just no way that you're not going to look at that game and try to mimic and do some of the things that they did, knowing how absolutely effective it was. And you have to have a TJ Watt type of person to be able to do that. But Miles Garrett is is that kind of guy. I mean, he's that good. He's that elite as a rusher. Um, and then you've got a lot of other things going for you now as well that you may not have. Uh, you've got a nice, really tall guy in Alex, right? So I would be using Alex uh, to, to get in there and get those hands up so much so that I would be using Alex right inside at times uh, with Jadavian and Miles on the outside, really take advantage of some of your best guys and the guys that have the best skill set for this situation. And just the sheer standing there, if you can hem him in, in a little bit and get your hands up, uh, for Alex, I think would be uh, one thing that I for sure would be doing. And then other things that I would be doing would include getting your two fast linebackers in Jacob Phillips and Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa spying on Baker Mayfield. Maybe a split it up somehow. I'm not sure exactly uh, how you might want to go about this. But, you know, don't let him get out there on the boots and the keepers. Because if you can keep him in, 
and again, you can either get there fast or get those hands up, uh, then you can really disrupt his game. So I would definitely be committing one of those guys full time to that type of a role, or I would be splitting it up depending on which way he tries to go. And of course he has tendencies where a lot of times he only goes one way. Um, but yeah, I mean, they know the things that he does well and the things that he doesn't do well. Now, having said that, he's worked really hard with former NFL, former Browns quarterback, Jeff Christensen on his mechanics, but you revert back to your old ways when the lights come on and the game gets fast. And, you know, it's very hard to have muscle memory for something that you've only been doing for a couple months, especially because he's coming off of a surgery and wasn't really able to start throwing in earnest until sometime in the spring. So I don't think he has the Jeff Christensen complete muscle memory yet. I think he's going to revert to some of his old habits. And I think the Browns will be able to figure out what those are and take away his strengths. I'm excited to see Alex Wright play inside. I, I think that's uh, him and the Tack McKinley role is going to be a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. That third edge rusher moving inside. I, I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of cool things to see with Alex Wright um, when, when we kind of get a chance to look at that defense for the first time uh, in on Sunday. OK, let's take a break. And then when we come back, uh, we've got some more general questions about Sunday's game and also the season. And back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Hey, Mary Kay edition here on a Wednesday uh, question here from Tom in Connecticut. Hey, Mary Kay, for the Browns to be successful early in the season, who is an offensive and defensive player not being talked about that needs to be really good? And just to give you an idea, Tom is thinking uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones on offense and the third corner. He mentioned Martin Emerson on defense. Who do you have in mind for a guy on either side of the ball that maybe we're not talking about enough who could make a big impact? Hmm. That's a really good question. And I know I keep saying that, but thank you again for uh, always coming through for us with these amazing questions. So let's think offensively, who do we need to play? Well, I'm going to say somebody that's not necessarily a skilled player. I'm going to say Jed Wills Jr. I think that Jed at left tackle needs to really rebound. Now, Jacoby Brissett traditionally uh, has taken some sacks. Even last year, when he started five games for the Dolphins, going two and three, he took 19 sacks. It's kind of a lot. It extrapolates out to about almost 54 sacks uh, per season, which is a lot. That would actually be his career high. So, um, and he did have one other game where he played almost a full game. So you, you could probably bring that number down a little bit. Um, but, um, I, I just think that you really need to try to protect him very, very well. His blindside protector has got to be at the peak of his game. And we really haven't talked about Jed Wills Jr. All that much. I think people really, you know, just kind of, you forget about the offensive linemen. They don't get the flashy headlines and all that sort of thing. But I mean, I think we've talked a lot about David Bell coming through as the slot receiver. I think we've talked ad nauseum about Anthony Schwartz struggling right now and needing to step up his game. We've talked about Amari Cooper. We've talked about the tight ends. We always talk about the running backs, but I think that left tackle position is very key. And I think he really needs to step up and be the number 10 overall pick that he was in 2020. There's a lot of people kind of writing the offensive line in pen 
as being really good this year. And I think there's real concerns there right now, at least to start. You know, Jed Wills, you mentioned, he, he's got to prove it this year. This is year three. It's time. Ethan Pochich, he he wasn't the starter. It was Nick Harris's job, and now Ethan Pochich is in there. Obviously, they signed him because they think he can do the job, um, but he is still the backup. And, of course, Jack Conklin. We don't know if Jack Conklin is going to be ready in week one, and we don't know what he's going to look like if he is ready. Um, there's some real questions outside of the two guards uh, on, on this line. So I think Jed Wills is a good spot, uh, a good spot to go. Um, I'm trying to think if there's somebody else. The texter mentioned Donovan Peoples Jones. I feel like we don't, maybe we talk too much about this guy, but I feel like we haven't talked about him in a lot in a while. Kareem Hunt. Yeah. If they're, if they're going to be, they're going to rely on Nick Chubb. At least I think they should rely on Nick Chubb pretty heavily, but you're kind of short on receivers. You need guys who can catch the football and be matchup problems. I think Kareem Hunt might be a guy that normally we do talk a lot about, but I feel like we just haven't talked a lot about him. So I maybe it's a stretch, but I'd put him in this category. Yeah, he goes in this category, and I have one more after that too, and then we also have to do the defense because right. we didn't do the defense yet. But uh, I agree with you on the Kareem Hunt thing, and I think maybe part of that is because as we head into this season – I'm sure everybody remembers Kareem Hunt has asked to be traded and, you know, then he got back into practice and just, it's just been business as usual. And so, you know, he kind of has been flying under the radar lately, but I'm very anxious to see what his mindset is, how he feels, how he plays, what his demeanor looks like. Now we watch him in practice and he looks like his old self. He's kind of dancing a little bit, you know, in the beginning of practice and he's, you know, just goofing around with people, you know, kind of, trying to keep things light, which you need guys that can do that. I mean, he works extremely hard, but he's also one of those guys that keeps Nick Chubb from getting too serious. I mean, he kind of has a playful side to him, and I think that's important. Um, But I'm very anxious to see what his role is going to be and how they handle things with Kareem Hunt. I mean, you know, is he going to be in the penalty box for a while because of how things went in training camp? I mean, you know, that could happen too. So, um, so definitely keep an eye on him. And then there's another guy that I'm going to mention, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to guess who that is going to be. Um, Ooh, I don't know. Cause I kind of ran through everybody in my head and I can't think of somebody else unless it's Anthony Schwartz. No, not Anthony Schwartz. And when I say the name, you're going to say, Oh, darn, I should have guessed that. Yeah. Harrison Bryant. Oh, you know, we got a Harrison Bryant question. Oh, good. Uh, well, yeah, maybe we'll right. say maybe we'll save. The no, answer. go. Let's let's just do it. Somebody asked about Harrison Bryan and what, essentially what to expect from him. So let's just combine it here. Well, he's stepping up now into the number two tight end role, and I think that's going to be a very, very important role this year. And I think he's ready to take his game to the next level. Remember, this regime drafts them young and develops them for the future. People expect great things out of some of these guys in their rookie year. And that's really not the way it's designed. They're designed to start hitting their stride a little bit in their second year and take off in their third year. So here comes Harrison Bryant. He's now the number two tight end. I think he's had a really nice summer. He's had a nice camp. And I think that given some of the issues on the receiving core, I think you can almost look at him as another just big receiver who can be an explosive player and a downfield threat and certainly a red zone threat. So keep an eye on him too. 
That's a good one. It was Terry in Strongsville who asked what uh, Harrison Bryant's role might be defensively. Um, I'm going to go with the third safety, which I guess would be Ronnie Harrison to start with. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be really important because as out of the gate, the Browns have to deal with Christian McCaffrey. And, you know, you had mentioned maybe using somebody to spy on Baker, which you can certainly do. But I think in this game, this team's really going to have to rely on somebody who can kind of shadow McCaffrey and just make sure he he isn't a guy that goes out there and kind of wins the game by himself because he's that one guy on that Carolina offense that you really, really worry about. And, of course, you have to face him week one when he's healthy, and, you know, you never know how long that's going to last. So I think that third safety is going to be important. And also, just as we go along, that, that guy's going to get a lot of time in the slot. Um, they, they're going to use those safeties as nickel guys on occasion. So I, I guess we'll go with Ronnie Harrison for now. De'Anthony Bell is on the roster. Richard LeCount on the roster as well. Those guys might get some opportunities. But whoever lines up in that third safety spot with John Johnson and Grant Delpin. Yeah, I mean, and that's a really good one. And you bring up great points about Christian McCaffrey. My goodness. And hopefully sometime this week, we are going to do a podcast, you and I, with our old friend Ellis Williams, who's been doing great coverage of the Panthers and covering all the Baker Mayfield stuff. And we'll get a chance to ask him about what they're doing well and where they're hot and where they're not and all those kinds of things. But I actually had a bigger name safety in mind for the answer to this question, because even though we do talk about him, I don't feel like we've really talked about him a lot lately. And that is Grant Delpit. Yeah, I think that Grant Delpit needs to have a breakout season. And I think he's kind of ready to have a breakout season. He's only going into his second year on the field. We've known him for a while because he had that year here where he was out with the whole Achilles, ruptured Achilles. But I think that Grant Delpit has the opportunity to really kind of take off and make an impact this year. He showed flashes of it down the stretch last year. And I think that he has a chance to be uh, just a danger, a weapon in the middle, across the middle, like make it dangerous for Baker Mayfield to want to throw to a tight end or somebody over the middle. And, and I think that Grant can do that. I think he's got a lot more turnovers in him than we saw out of him last year, which was only one interception and one forced fumble. I think he's got much more where that came from. And I'm looking for a big year out of Grant Delpit. And I feel like Joe Woods is going to have a better grasp of what he's capable of. And like the, the leash is off, you know, they, they don't have to worry about him coming back from that. I, I think this is an opportunity now for Delpit. Again, a guy, even though it's his second year on the field, it is year three. I mean, he knows the system. He has been around. Um, even as he's spending time rehab, I'm sure he's in the playbook. He's learning stuff. He's watching tape. So th- this is kind of his year to, to, to show he's a long-term piece on that defense uh, for sure. Yeah. And I, I agree with you on the, the Joe Woods thing. And I just got done writing a whole offensive preview for, for 2022 and a whole defensive preview for 2022. And I must say, Dan, that it kind of helps to actually do that before you head into the season, because it just refreshes everything in your mind about who's done what and who graded out here and whatnot. And so those will be coming out in our preview section over the next couple of days this week. Um, but I agree with you that that Joe Woods has a tremendous handle on his personnel now. And I thought that was one of the issues last year that he, in addition to dealing with a lot of injuries, uh, he really didn't know how the pieces were all going to fit together because there were a lot of new guys, a lot of guys in their first year, Grant Delpit playing his first season. Uh, you had, JOK playing in his first season, Greg Newsome. 
And then John Johnson three, you know, he was playing, you know, that deep sort of angel role early on. Um, and now I think he's going to move around a lot more. So I think these safeties are going to pop. I really do. I think those two guys together, JJ three and Grant Delpit are going to be a force on this defense. All right, Mike in Chester, Maryland. Hey, Mary Kay, do you think the first four games are make it or break it for the Brown season? To state it differently, do you think they would have a chance to make the playoffs if they don't go at least two and two? I think we might agree on this. Two and two might be a problem. But do you think these first four games are, are make or break? Yeah, I you know, I don't know if I want to say make or break, but two, I don't think two and two is gonna cut it if you, you know, if you want to try to make the playoffs, because we've talked about this a lot. After those first four games, pretty easy first four games, relatively speaking, you run into the gauntlet of seven very difficult, very difficult games and a lot of really, really good quarterbacks. And so I don't think two and two is going to cut it. I think they have to go three and one. I think the only loss that they can afford there perhaps might be the Steelers. Uh, but, you know, who knows? I mean, the defense could have something to say about that too. the Browns defense. Mitch Trubisky is probably going to be starting that game. They're not going to want to give him a nice homecoming to Cleveland at First Energy Stadium on September 22nd in front of the national television audience on Thursday night football. They're going to want to make sure uh, that he wish he didn't come back here. And, uh, you know, so three and one, I think I do think you either have to go three and one or maybe even four and oh uh, to make sure that this train gets rolling along in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I don't say 4-0 is because I starting 4-0 is really hard, even, even mm-hmm. with an easy schedule. Um, right. But look, if you think you're this really talented team that just made a trade to get a quarterback that you think can kind of take you to that next level, I know you don't have that quarterback, but like you should still be able to beat the Panthers, the Jets, and the Falcons. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I don't think we should let this team off the hook against opponents like that the chargers that's different the patriots will kind of see what they look like they they might not be very good but we'll see it, you know tampa th- those other teams that are like legit real teams fine but like I, I don't think we should be letting this team off the hook when it comes to playing teams like the jets the falcons and the panthers like it you got to figure out a way to go beat those teams absolutely 100 percent. and look this we definitely know uh, is a roster that was built to go the distance this year. This was the year that, you know, it should have all come down to this. This season is, you know, Miles Garrett's in his prime. Denzel Ward's in his prime. They've spent a ton of money on both sides of the ball. They've built both lines really tough and really strong. Uh, There are so many weapons. They added Amari Cooper. They still have Nick Chuck. I mean, this is a team that if it had Deshaun Watson at quarterback, was supposed to go to the Super Bowl and win it this year. So if you can't beat most of those first four teams with everybody else on that roster except for the quarterback that you wanted to have, then you know then you're not worth what you're supposed to be. And I mean, my goodness, you know, it's time. You've got one of the best defensive players in all of the NFL in Miles. You've got one of the best cornerbacks. I mean, you've got strong safeties like we talked about. Uh, you know, Jadavian Clowney came back. So absolutely they should win most of those first four games based on the strength of their defense. And I'm telling you what, there are teams throughout the course of NFL history where the defense got them there. You know, I mean, I've cited, and it's a different 
a little bit of a different NFL game now because it's so quarterback centric and so pass oriented. But I mean, we watched Trent Dilfer win a Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens because of their amazing defense. Uh, and we've seen other situations like that. We saw the the Steelers go to the playoffs last year uh, with marginal quarterback play out of Ben Roethlisberger because of their defense. And I think it's time for this defense to really step up and just dominate. Okay, last question here. Um, and we maybe touched on this a little bit, but just more specifically, Rich Smith from Columbus, Ohio. What area of the team is your biggest concern heading into game one? Well, we've talked about this so many different times, and I think, um, you know, we can agree. Actually, there are there are two concerns for me. So I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say two. Am I being held to just sure. one? No, we'll let you say two. It is the okay. your name is on the podcast. I think <laughs> you, can, you can make the rules here. Okay, there's two areas, and they're on either side of the ball: defensive tackle, and then wide receiver. I'm still concerned about the wide receiving core, and I think that um, the fact that Anthony Schwartz is struggling right now, uh, you know, sort of reinforces that belief that you know they left themselves a little bit short on the receiving core, at least short one other really good solid sure-handed, sure-fire veteran. I've felt that way for months, and I still feel that way. And, you know, I mean, we'll see that, you know, maybe it won't show up until you start getting into, like, the the Ravens, you know, a team like the Ravens that has really good cornerbacks. You might be able to get away with uh, a receiving core that isn't, you know, exactly what you need it to be yet against a lesser defense. But once you start going up against some really good defenses, that's where that might show up a little bit. So I still have uh, concerns about that. Young guys, unproven guys, except for Amari. And then on the defensive side of the ball, still got to see what's going to happen at defensive tackle. And, you know, everyone raves about Jordan Elliott. We need to see it. I mean, he's supposed to be really, really good and ready for a breakout season. Everybody's telling us that. So it's time to see what he's got. Uh, Taven Bryan, you know, he, he ranked, I think 79th last year amongst qualifying defensive tackles. Uh, you know, maybe he'll be solid, but he's not, you know, a flashy player there in the interior of the line. I still think I would be moving the other guys in, uh, when you can to get, uh, you know, get Alex right in there and maybe, you know, some of the other ends that you can move in making sure that you, always have your best defensive line out on the field, regardless of what the names are and what positions they play. Uh, but that's still one area I think is of concern. Yeah. I mean, I think wide receiver is just, I, I feel like they're, they're putting a lot of weight on. So we've been spoiled the last couple of years, right? When we see Jamar chase and we see Justin Jefferson and we see, we see some rookies just come into the league and light it up right away. But if we're being honest, it's, a little hard to come into the NFL and just be a great receiver from the jump, especially if you're not like a, a high level pick and they're putting a lot of weight on David Bell, who I love. I think he's going to catch a ton of footballs, but you know, that he's still a rookie, you know, Michael Woods really intriguing, really great size has a chance to be really good, but also like, I, I don't know if you came into this year hoping that Michael Woods would be you know, maybe the fourth guy you're counting on in this receiving core, you'd like to maybe bring him along a little more slowly, but 
they're relying on a lot of guys, you know, even Demetric Felton, he's not a rookie, but you know, he's a second year guy. They're just relying on a lot of young guys, especially because Schwartz just hasn't quite hit that development area where they want him to be. And they've got to do some repair work there with him. And so you really can't rely on him right now. It, it's just shining a spotlight on some guys that maybe, and I don't know if saying they're not ready is the right way to put it, but you're, you're counting a lot on a couple of rookies and then a guy that they don't even really want to say is a wide receiver. Yeah. And, you know, and that's why I think they are thinking of it globally in terms of pass catchers and that they are throwing their tight ends into the mix as part of their sort of receiving core. Uh, so when, when they look at all of their pass catchers, I think they feel as though they have enough to get the job done, whether it's, you know, winning the contested ball or playing in the slot or having some speed, uh, you know, or having your sure-handed guy, having your route runner. You know, they do have a smorgasbord, a little bit of everything uh, when you factor in uh, the tight ends. But as you mentioned, um, you know, Michael Woods, he's had a hamstring injury pretty much all of training camp. So that's meaningful. When you miss all of training camp as a rookie, it's hard to step right in and just pick it up where you left off in week one of training camp and just right off into the sunset. It's very difficult. Uh, even David Bell, he had a stress fracture in his foot. He missed time with that. And, um, you know, he might have a few growing pains along the way as well. So we'll have to see how it all goes. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's an area to keep an eye on. Okay, there we go. Our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Now, uh, if you're if you're listening to this on Wednesday, tonight we're having an event at the Music Box Supper Club. I'm not sure what availability is, but if it's if it's available, we're doing a live podcast from 5.30 to 7.30. Uh, it's in person. We haven't been able to do one of these for a couple of years. You'll hear from Mary Kay, me, Ashley, uh, Irie, Terry Pluto, Doug Maurice, Lance Reisland is going to be there. He's going to do a little film session uh, in the middle. So it, it's going to be a really fun event. Again, it's at the Music Box Supper Club, 5.30 to 7.30. Actually, it might go till about 8. Uh, we'll do some Q&A. Uh, it should be a good time. We always have fun doing these. Uh, for information, go to tinyurl.com slash orangebrown22. That's all one word. Again, tinyurl.com slash orangebrown22. That is Wednesday night, uh, September 7th. So the day that this posts, if you hear this in time and you want to come check us out, head to that URL and uh, it, it should be a fun time. We miss doing these in person, Mary Kay. So it'll be fun to kind of be back with the people. Yes, absolutely. And Dan, you're always a terrific MC. Uh, funny, you keep things rolling along, and uh, we always have a great time. Yeah, these are these are a lot of fun. So uh, I think uh, I think you'll enjoy it if you can make it out. And uh, if there's still time, hit that URL and uh, join us. All right, Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great. <laughs>